Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. And this is our day in God's house today to worship and to honor Him. Let's give Him an acclamation of praise this morning in Jesus' name. It's great to see you all. You may all be seated. Fantastic. It's good to be here. Pastor Ed, uh, we trust that he, and we know that he does share a great message, but we trust that he's a blessing to the folk he's with in Brisbane this morning, that they get encouraged and inspired just as we are every Sunday. My heart is for the house of God. And there are often times when, you know, we faced with stuff that we just would rather not have to deal with. Coming to God's house, we hear the word that refreshes us, that inspires us, that challenges us, and, has, and, and, and it encourages us to, 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 to get to understand the clarity of how to move on in life. God's word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light, it's a light to my path. It clears the way so that I can continue to press forward and onward for the glory of God. I've got a message this morning to share with you, and I believe that because the more I looked into it, the more encouraged I got that this is exactly what we need to hear often. But we hear the saying much these days about why do bad things happen to good people? And uh, I don't know the entire answer to that question, but I know this one thing, that we are God's people, and that in his word he says that he will make provision for us, he will guide us, he will direct us, and if we listen to his word and we obey his word, then we come through victorious. I believe that with all my heart. Yeah. I heard the story about... Uh, this woman's husband that was in the kitchen and he was busy trying to put something together and his wife walks in and she asks him, what are you up to? And he says, well, I'm, I'm trying to put all these pieces together and on the box it says that I'm supposed to get a rooster out of all of this, but I can't seem to get it to fit. So the wife looks at the box and she looks at him and she says, put those um, the, uh, I'm just trying to think of the, the cereal. It's, uh, the cereal, the cornflakes, that's it. Put those cornflakes back into the box. <laughs> Confusion with what he was trying to work through. And I think that there are many of us today as believers who are struggling to put the pieces together. And the reason we are not able to put them together is because we do not understand where the pieces fit. My message to you this morning is why do bad things happen to good, uh, to God's people? Why do bad things happen to God's people? And let's make no mistake, they do happen in life today. 
We know that God is a good God. We know that he cares for us every step of the way. There's no problems with God's response or God's side of the equation in this message I'm sharing with you this morning. It's about how we handle And the question we need to really ask is, what do we do about it in those times when we are faced with these challenges in life? Folks, as God's people, we have a responsibility to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And many of us have been left with scars in life. The challenges that we've gone through, the difficulties that we've experienced in life have often remained there. But I want to say one thing, that there are good reasons that could come out of that. If only we would hearken to what the Word of God is saying. Because the Lord has made a way for us. You see, the Bible also says in Romans that there's no one that is good. No, not one. So, it's not about happening to good people only, but it's, it's about what's happening to us as God's people and the reasons that they are happening to us. And I want to share five of them with you this morning. But I'm going to get you to turn with me to, or we're going to share the scripture from Corinthians. The book of Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians rather, chapter 1 and verse 8 through to 11. And I just want to read this passage of scripture. There's an author by the name of, a Christian contemporary author by the name of Philip Yancey that wrote a book that was called Disappointment with God. We know that life cannot be or isn't fair at times. But in his book, Philip Yancey wrote, the question was, is life fair? And then he goes on to say, read the story of Jesus and ask yourself, was life fair to him? Was life fair to him? You see, the cross has demolished for all time the basic assumption that life is going to be fair to me. It's not about what's on the outside of us that cause our concerns. It's how do I respond as a result of what's happening in my life. Church, life isn't fair, but God is good. We're going to look a little more into that whole aspect about God's goodness. But I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and from verse 8. And this is what Paul says. He's describing his pain and the challenges that he was experiencing. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. There is a desire in Paul here to let us know what's going on in his life. He says, the hardships that we have suffered in the, pro in the province of Asia... Now, this province of Asia was a, a, not the current continent of Asia, but it was a Roman Empire. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But here he goes on to say, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, 
but on God. That's a good point. Rely on God who raises the dead. He, was deliver he has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Three times he used the word deliver us. And as you help us by your prayers, there's another point. Many, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the greatest favor granted us in answer to the prayer, the prayers of many. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I just pray your anointing upon this word today. Lord, let it be received with open hearts. And I pray that it will change lives, that it will open our eyes to see that, God, you are with us all the way. So we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you're watching online, you're most welcome. We appreciate having you with us this morning. And I pray that God's going to touch your heart as well. I don't have to convince you this morning that bad things do happen to God's people. Like Paul, we all have scars. We've all been scarred by what's happened in the past to prove that. We have experiences that we can share that will let people know uh, of how we've dealt with it or how God has brought us out of it. And there's, these experiences of ours will fall on many ears that will be happy to have heard that. It will help them to change their lives. And this is why Paul said, I feel I need to let you know so that you may be blessed. And he also thanks those that were praying for him because he felt that the need of others to be involved in, on his journey because that inspired and lifted them up, and God responded to their prayer. What I want us to do this morning is consider the question, why? What is the purpose behind the pain that God has allowed us to experience? I don't have all these answers, but I want to share with you just five reasons why I believe this takes place. Why I believe that perhaps God doesn't inter inter intervene according to my understanding. The first one I want to share with you this morning is to make me focus, to make me focus on what's really important. Paul was referring to this event that was so painful. He says, I fully expected to die. In verse 8 he says, so that we despaired even of life. Paul uses the word great pressure and that word in the Greek is thlipsis, which means to be crushed. I don't actually know or exactly know the pressure that Paul faced, apart from what we read in the Word. But he might have been referring to a time when he and, and uh, Barnabas were over in Lystra and were preaching the gospel and the challenges that he faced and they stoned him and moved him out of the city, but the, the believers gathered around him. They prayed with him, but, and he survived, and he, he revived again, and he continued on preaching the word. When you're being stoned to death, I can imagine at those moments, in those terrible, horrible times, you don't worry about the immediate things around you. I don't believe that you worry about those lesser things. I think... Things of great importance would come to your mind. If you're lying in a hospital bed having had a heart attack or anything like that, you don't worry about 
the color of the carpet in your ward. You probably think about your family. Some might worry about their finances. Some might worry about, you know, other incidental things that don't matter much in the scheme of our lives and our journey with God. But those things bring out of us some pressures and some issues that we have to deal with and take care of. C.S. Lewis wrote two books dealing with suffering. The first was just a philosophical approach on suffering called the problem of pain. And he was writing it from an intellectual perspective. He discusses pain dispassionately. In other words, it's not something that he would re have related personally on. He wrote a book about that. And then at the age of 59, he got married. He married a woman called, her name was Joy Davidman Gresham, an American who was 16 years younger than him. She was di divorced. She was a Jew, a communist, and an atheist before she became a Christian by reading C.S. Lewis's books. But when they got married, she, had, she was diagnosed with cancer. And she even called their marriage a deathbed wedding. She recovered for a while, and they were married for four years before she went home to be with the Lord. So after her death, he writes another book. And this book was called Suffering. Uh, this book was on suffering, and it was called A Grief Observed. So he wasn't dispassionate about this. It was a personal experience of, it, of his. And so he's expressing the pain and anguish over the death of his wife. He says, in writing about pain, Lewis made the famous quote that you might have heard in the past. God whispers in our pleasure, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. In our pain, God shouts. There's an urgency. There is a challenge. When we are having pleasurable times, we can barely hear the voice of God. So don't despise what you've gone through. It might be difficult at the time, but trust in the Lord. Trust in God. Focus on what's really important, spending time with Him. There's another quote that is also powerful but less familiar. And he wrote this, Pain removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of a rebel soul. Pain removes the veil. It brings a revelation of what's important in life. When things are going great in our lives, we tend to major on the minors. It's only when pain comes that the veil is removed and God gets our attention. Amen? I'm sure that many of us will not, yeah, in approval of that. Suffering makes us focus on the real issues of life and death. First question is to make me focus on what's really important. The second point I want to bring to your attention, to prove why does God allow me to suffer? I still find it hard to find a better terminology than saying God's allowed me to suffer. 
But I want to make the point that God is always there. He has never left you, nor has he forsake you. So why are we going through this pain? To prove to me that I cannot help myself. That's the second point I want to share. Verse 9 contains a great statement behind the purpose in suffering. Paul wrote, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. Often there are issues that I would rather try and deal with myself, and there's nothing wrong with that. But as I continue to deal with it, I see that things are not really working out the way I wanted to. And then I might remind myself, well, why don't you ask God? Be sort of slow in responding, and I believe the, re the reason for our lack of immediate response is because we lack the understanding of God's love for us and His care for us, so we would rather do it ourselves. And again, let me say, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're able to do it, great. But include God at the outset. Call on Him for these ideas that might help you to come out of the difficulty or the challenges that you're in. But God wants us to also know that you cannot do it on your own. That's why He came and He died on the cross for our sins. We weren't able, and still in many cases are not able to do it on our own, so He sends His Son to die on the cross of Calvary. For no reason, it wasn't because of what he did, but because of his love for us that he did it. You see, he could see that we could not manage it on our own. The enemy was having a field day. But God came in, and he's taken care of that for us. People often say that the Bible says God won't put more on you than you can bear, and I believe I've said that myself. But that's nowhere in the Bible. That's nowhere in the Bible, but it's a great thought, you know. God won't give you more than you could bear. You know, you'll be able to handle it. But that's suggesting that we can do it ourselves. You know, the Bible says God will take care of you. God will often allow us to get to a point of total desperation that is beyond our ability to bear. In verse 8, Paul wrote that his experience of pressure and pain was far beyond his ability to endure. And the reason why God allowed him to reach that point of total desperation was to teach him not to rely on his own strength. God helped us to understand that he gave his life for us, that he might help us on this journey. We are just sojourners passing through this land. There's going to be a come, a come a time when we're going to leave the face of this earth, and go to be with the Lord. And I just pray that when that time arises, we are ready to meet God. That we'll be a people filled with the joy of the Lord in the knowledge and in the understanding that I am cemented in Christ. He is my Lord and my Savior. It, when Paul was going through an experience beyond his ability to endure, he learned just how Weakless and uh, how helpless and uh, he was in those circumstances. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Goes on to say, In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Even when things are good, 
Let's give thanks and say, God, you've been faithful. You've been awesome to me. And he will continue to direct your path. You won't, be, you won't truly be able to fully trust in the Lord until you stop leaning on your own understanding and on your own strength. You know, I remember when, as a young teenager, back in Durban, South Africa, we need to pray for that country. They're going through many challenges. When I was a teenager, I was involved with the voluntary life-saving and our instructor, he would tell us that if we are ever faced with the crisis of rescuing somebody, he would say that, especially if he's a bigger guy than you, don't go up to him. Let him tire himself out. You know, don't just think you're going to rescue him because, I mean, he will fight you down and you will both end up drowning. So if you're a big guy, and you meet a small guy that's giving you grief, well, punch him in the head or something, just to <laughs> calm him down so you can get him saved and yourself. But now if you're a small guy, <laughs> and there's a big bloke out there, well, they say, wait until he's tired himself out, and then go in and get him to save him and yourself. And, and that's where we, you know, we need one another. We need, I love the quote, it wasn't a quote, but uh, um, I'm going to use Carmel. Uh, she mentioned something in uh, our, our dinner party, sort of, uh, where we voice our thoughts and things like that. Party line or whatever they call it. So we were talking about, you know, oh, no dessert. Somebody said something about there not being any dessert. And Carmel's response was great. I, I just, it warmed my heart. She reckons, just meeting with my family, the church, is my dessert. And I thought that through, I thought, how sweet is this? Because really, that's what it's about. We need each other. We need to understand that we can be a blessing to others. Don't come to church and complain about the meeting or this not have been not good enough, or that wasn't nice. No. The very fact that you're here will be a blessing to somebody else. So just thank the Lord that you were in the house of God, and that others were blessed, and that you were able to join in whatever allowed us to join into, like the singing and stuff. So be appreciative of each other. Reach out to one another. If you don't go to a dinner party, come to Brownies on Wednesday night. Man, you will. That's the best restaurant in town. <laughs> the meals are just awesome. We have a great time. And I'm sure Brownie wouldn't mind having another 20 people there. <laughs> we'll just all stick around and help them clean up. Marilyn will take care of business too. Yeah, we have a wonderful time. And I thought that that thought was so appropriate. That's how I felt. I mean, when I come into the house of God and I meet all you wonderful people, there's a, there's a joy that is welling up in me. I'm in the right place. I'm a part of a great bunch of people. And, and this is what we want to understand, is that we need the help of others. The church isn't perfect, but it's the body of Christ on this earth. I'd like to think of the church as God's only show in town. There are others. 
But to me, as a, as a, a group of believers, we are God's show in town, folks. But it's not only going to happen in here. As a matter of fact, it needs to happen out there even more than it does in here. And uh, as a church, we exist to carry each other's burdens. The scripture tells us that in Galatians 6, because this is the way that you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. None of us are perfect, but we are all holding on to each other, sustaining each other. I need you, and you need me. I read this morning, in the, I looked it up in, the, uh, in my dictionary, actually. Wow. Google. <laughs> Thank God for Google. I don't have to page through dictionaries anymore. It's about the massive redwood tree. These trees can grow to be hundreds of feet tall. I was looking it up, and it says it's one of the, they've been known to grow to about 107 meters tall and 24 feet in diameter, or eight, eight meters in diameter. That's a massive tree. But the issue is this. The roots of a redwood tree are so shallow, it could never stand alone without falling or being blown over. But below the surface of the uh, forest, the roots of redwood trees intertwine with each other. And they support each other. You see, we are the same way. I need your support, your prayer support, your caring. You need my prayer support my caring. We cannot allow to depend on ourselves. I appreciate the testimony of Wayne, and Wayne's only been coming to fellowship here just recently. Sorry, Wayne, if I, I'm stealing your testimony. But he's got challenges that he's facing. And he shared it with us on Wednesday night at our dinner party. And we prayed for him. But his testimony is of this house, the friendliness, the caring, He's been around, but he's since come here, and he's begun, he's begun to settle in. And, and with tears in his eyes, he will tell you straight to your face, I just love what you guys have done for me. That's a massive testimony for the people of God. Folks, you never understand or really know how much we are a blessing to each other. And so we need to share, and I appreciate Wayne's openness of sharing that with me. He's not inhibited by the fact that he might shed a tear or two, but he wants us to know how much he loves the house of God. And I want you to know that this is a place where God's power can be displayed in, in a variety of ways. People can be healed, people will receive salvation, people will be set free, because our God is a caring God, and he loves you. And he desires to bless you and to be a blessing to you. But we need to make sure that we focus on what's really important. To prove that I can't help myself. That's why we go through these challenges. To convince me to trust in God alone. And number four, to teach me that I need the help of others. And the final thought that I want to share with you this morning. Number five. Is to prepare me. Why do I go through these challenges, God? To prepare me to help others. Yeah. 
who struggle. Wow. Paul writes in verse 11, he says, Many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor that God has granted us. That's why he wrote those lines in Corinthians. That's why he wrote of the challenges and the difficulties he went through. To help us to understand that there are these five steps that we could operate in our lives that's going to help us to overcome the difficulties and see other people want for Jesus. Many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor that he has granted us. God has a school for his children. And that school is called the University of Affliction. The, tu the tuition is rather high. The courses are tough. The time and the place of the, of the classes aren't even announced in advance. You just wake up one day in the middle of your pain and discover that the class has started. The class role has some prominent names of former students. Listen to these. Abraham, Moses, Job, Hannah, David, Job again, Esther, Jeremiah, Job again. Job took a lot of classes. <laughs> Peter, Stephen, and thousands of others who suffered and survived or suffered and died. When I read of this, and I started thinking about it, and I thought, well, my mother is one of them. I had a wonderful mother, and it's good to see a lot of moms, Sister Westbrook and her family, raise their children. I mean, the Westbrooks are everywhere here. Yeah. <laughs> Very much a part or a backbone of our movement. They've been here for years missionaries. I actually think, Sister Westbrook, when I was at Kuroi, I think we might have sponsored you for part of your journey. I think that might have been the case. Yeah, for part of your journey. I think it was PNG, was it? Papua New Guinea, yeah. So it brought back a few memories. But I thought about my mother, who loved the Lord. I mean, I've never known her to speak anything against anybody I've never known her to swear. She was just a, a remarkable lady. She went through challenges in life. Her husband was an alcoholic. Her children were wayward. But she never gave up. We used to walk to church every Sunday morning. And she'd take us eight children along with her when she could get all eight together. And we would go to church and sit in Sunday school. So we were raised in that environment. And the, the anointing of God on her life was was incredible. She used to be a seamstress. She used to sew people's dresses so that we could eat. My dad worked all his life. He was a, um, um, a sheet metal worker, you know, build buses and things like that. But he, by the time Friday came, I don't think he would get any of his money back for the drinking he had done in the week, and everybody wanted their money. But mom used to keep us alive fed us, clothed us, and did a lot of amazing things for us. And, 
And she's got many a story to tell because of the scars in her life. And I'm sure right now that she is excited about the fact that one of her boys, there were six of us, eight of us in the family, six boys, two girls, is serving God. Not only one of us, but there are other brothers as well, serving the Lord faithfully, preachers, traveled around the world preaching the gospel, loving Jesus. And I put that all down to a faithful mother who did not buckle, did not give up on her children that went astray. I was one of them. She never, ever gave up on us. And then I married this beautiful lady sitting up the front. And I got a lot to thank her for what she's done in my life. And I really believe that the scars that I have or have placed on her, God's given me an opportunity to revisit them in the past when I rededicated my life in 1974. We were married in 1968. And in 1974, I rededicated my life to Jesus. And I faithfully followed him. Coming to Australia was one of the better things or the best things that I've done in my life. I went to Bible college here, I studied here, you know, made numerous inroads in my Christian world through the teachings that I got from men of God. Pastor Gerald Rowlands, powerful preacher, came to South Africa, heard the message. It was a David Newington as well, wasn't it, Pearl? That also came to Australia. And I think it was under David's ministry that I rededicated my life to Christ, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and haven't looked back since. Yeah. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Yeah, give the Lord an acclamation of praise. So, to prepare me to help others who struggle. The struggles give strength to those of us who are now taking the same courses in the University of Affliction. My question this morning is, are you enrolled? Also, want to ask you to suggest to you another thing that you never graduate until you go to heaven. You just keep getting to take more and more courses. But remember, the more degrees that you have, the better teacher you become. Amen? <laughs> like you, I've been taking these classes. And uh, as a pastor, I've had lots of challenges. Uh, Many years in my ministry as a senior pastor, and I think, and I know that Pastor Ed will attest to this, you get families or people come to visit him and sharing their difficulties, and he draws out of his experience what God has done in his life in relation to the same difficulties that the family or the person is going through. He's able to share out of his experience. Don't despise the challenges. Yeah, it's horrible that we go through them. I'm not suggesting for a minute that you laugh and you go through these with laughter. That's just not life. Life brings us some very difficult times. You go through these, but the beauty of it all is that that scar that you've experienced is alive in you. That's what Paul was talking about when he said that he appreciated what they've gone through, because now he is able to share the gospel and many people are going to be blessed as a result of what he went through because they're going to be able to align their experiences with what the apostle was sharing. And so God is saying to us, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. 
Don't be discouraged about what you've gone through because know that He is with you constantly and will not forsake you. He is with you all the way. What are some of the painful experiences that you've been through in the past? Did you lose a child? Pearl and I did. Our very firstborn. And it took us a few years after that before we got another child because the doctors weren't very encouraging. The pressure was high. But God's blessed us with two great kids. And we're very appreciative of them. Did you lose a job? Did you lose your mate? Instead of being resentful about these things, use that experience to help others who are facing the same challenge in life. You all have a story to tell. We all do. Let's share it to bless and encourage others, not just to share our experience by way of wanting to unload. It's not about that. It's not about giving you a story that perhaps might be better than someone else's. No. It's about using your story to inspire and encourage others. Not just so that you can be heard. No. That's far from the truth. Inspire others. I want to close with these thoughts. Perhaps the team might want to come up now. These five reasons that I've shared with you why I believe God allows us to go through times of pain and suffering to me are an, a very part, important part of my journey and understanding how I can use that to be a blessing. But as I close, I just want to give you another take away, take away truth. Every scar tells a story. Think about your scars. They have stories. Might have been a surgery, an injury, an, in, an incident, an accident, or a war wound. I use this word carefully. You should be proud of your scars because you've got a story to tell that can bless and encourage somebody else. Your scars prove that you've been through a challenging time. You've suffered. But the good thing is that you've survived. You've come through it. And you can share that with others. To paraphrase what Paul was really trying to communicate, he wrote this, I have suffered and I have scars, but I have survived and I have a story to tell of God's deliverance. Your scars should tell you the same thing. You've suffered and you will suffer again, but the same God who delivered you before is a God who will deliver you Again, don't fret, don't worry, don't weep. Instead, friends, place your trust in Christ, who can deliver you through suffering. The biggest question about your suffering is not why, but what. What am I going to do in response to my suffering? You have a choice in the matter. When pain comes, some people grumble, some people cry, some people groan, others grieve, some people grunt and growl. But there are some people like Paul who grow. The choice 
is yours this morning. If you've been watching online, I would like to pray for you perhaps. You might be going through some challenges in life. And I trust that this word has given you an opportunity to lay a hold of some of the keys that will help you overcome. Step over that barrier into God's favor and be a blessing not only to yourself, but to others. I want to pray for you. If you just lay your hand on your heart and lift your eyes to God, and you pray God's blessing and favor. And if you've not received Jesus as your Savior, let me just encourage you this morning to step into God's life for you. Ask Him into your heart and He will respond. When did you do that? No great big ritual or anything like that. It's just saying, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. God will do that for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for those that have been listening to this message online. I just pray right now that God, your grace, that there will be a recognition within their hearts that God's grace is sufficient for me. I don't need to go running here, there, and everywhere, but I just need to look to you and accept you. Father, I ask you to come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.